It's an emergency episode. It's four days late because I was on vacation. I was in Nashville and uh, HIPAA violation pending. Carter had some issues this weekend. So uh, we, we took a week off. We're back. And the only way to get into the emergency Michigan State episode is to bring David Klein on from SpartanHoops.com. You should know him if you listen to our stuff. Uh, the point of this episode is Tom Izzo finally went public on a lot of his decisions. He explained what the hell is going on in East Lansing. First, there was a Justin Thind article. Justin Thind has been on this very show before. Uh, he, I thought he did a really good job laying out sort of the state of the program. He was not overly harsh, but he was critical of some things that he thinks could be improved upon. And then immediately following that, we got a sit down Q&A session from Graham Couch in the Lansing State Journal. Both of those pieces were extremely well done. Tom Izzo gave more color and more answers in the Graham Couch article than I think he has in years about what the heck is going on at Michigan State. So all of that said, fellas, uh, the answers were not good answers necessarily. They might have been good explanations, but from everything the three of us have been complaining about, he basically said, yeah, I think you're all wrong and this is what we're doing. Uh, am I wrong on that? Like, what's how has this article changed your perception of the state of the program? Let's go to DK first and then Card just piggyback right off. Oh, that's a pretty big and broad question, but um, I, I guess my initial thought is he has been saying how he feels about the name, image, likeness, and in the portal very vocally for months. So, it's, I don't think that this was surprising so much in that he said it again. But I think that some of maybe the color, his feeling behind it, like you said, I thought Graham did a good job of pulling out maybe some of more of the why he feels that way than we've seen in recent stuff. Um, I think it really means that the focus entirely um, is going to be on the high school, uh, just high school recruits. And, and this is a situation now where if you're not going to adapt and hit the portal the way that we, I think, all agree he needed to do this offseason, then you can't have two-man classes anymore. I know there's three now with Carson Cooper being added. Michigan State is going to have to broaden the way that they do high school recruiting if he's going to be selective or almost non-existent in the portal. I think the thing that I took away the most from in this is 2023 is a very large recruiting class for kind of the way the end of his tenure is going to be. If, he, if he's not going to attack the transfer portal um, he has got to be able to hit some of these kids in the 2023 class and maybe Xavier Booker, number one on, on that list. So uh, it's, it's going to be an interesting year. I think just straight ahead, but for a bigger picture, look at the program. I think the high school recruiting has to ramp up from here on out. If this is the way he intends to handle it. Yeah. Uh, to piggyback off it, I think DK kind of hit on the biggest point of that and it is the high school recruiting. So uh, basically all he did was confirm what we already knew is that he doesn't like the transfer portal, doesn't like NIL. This is just the first time him actually, you know, having a sit down and just really getting his answers out there and all the kind of uh, the things we implied on how the summer has gone. He basically confirmed that he, he is like, yeah, that is exactly what's going on. This is how I'm doing it. But with that said, if you don't want to adjust in the transfer portal, then like DK said, you're going to have to adjust in your high school recruiting 
So typically, Greg, I believe you made this point, and I thought it was a good one on a couple of uh, podcasts before this, is that Izzo kind of hones in on like two to three guys. And he doesn't necessarily, like, he doesn't necessarily just throw a bunch of offers out there. He just really hones in on his guys. They're probably about three guys max. And he goes all in on those guys. And that has worked in the past. But, you know, with the landscape of college basketball changing, uh, you know, the transfer portal being out there, like we mentioned, that's not going to work anymore. So, yes, I I understand where Izzo is coming from as, as one standpoint, because he's going to do things his way. He's the coach of the program. It's the kind of the way he operates. But at the same time, then you got to change somewhere. We're just asking for a little bit of change. Like, you know, you ain't got to just change how you completely do it. Just make a couple little tweaks here and there. And I think where he can do that mostly is with high school recruiting. I mean, we talked about the guys that he's recruiting currently. DK follows them pretty closely for everyone who follows him on Twitter and Spartan Hoops like that. I mean, Xavier Booker is the one real big guy that we're going after. And, you know, he's also getting blue blood offers and there's not really much else outside of Jeremy Fears who's already committed in that 2023 class. So, you know, if the work's not being put in the transfer portal, that needs to be put, that work needs to be put into the 2023 class. And I personally don't think that that is happening right now, at least from what I've heard and seen. I thought it was notable that uh, Joe Tipton, AKA Tipton edits, acknowledged Xavier Booker's recruitment recently. That's a more national guy. He has historically sort of strayed to the national guys. And to me, Xavier Booker wasn't necessarily a national recruit. I know he got the Duke offer recently. I know there's blue blood sniffing, but you got I, the Kansas offer. He has been offered by Duke yet. Oh, I thought it was Duke, not Kansas. My bad. No, Duke is discussed in that article that you're talking about, but he hasn't been offered yet by Duke. Got it. Okay. Yeah, anyways, I, I, I found that notable, right? Because even guys that have some of those offers, sometimes if they're going to stay local or Midwest or whatever, Tipton doesn't normally get on them. Um, I, I'm i not surprised by any of this, just to give my quick two cents. And I have a ton of actual quotes I pulled from this I want to run through with you guys. Uh, but I, I'm just not surprised. Like the reason that I've been the vocal anti-ISO critical guy for the better part of a year and a half now is because none of this surprises me. Like, I've been screaming that he's not going to fill scholarships. I've been screaming that he hates the portal, that he's lazy. And look, give him credit. Like, he did go after two guys in this portal. He went after Micah Parrish. He went after Jalen Bridges. If he would have gotten one of them, we're not nearly as loud about this. I would have praised the Jalen Bridges one. I probably would have gotten to a point where I would have accepted Micah Parrish as a decent ad. But the thing is, again, with your point about the high school recruits, Carl, like, if you're going to play the portal, play it with a broader net. You're Michigan State. Go to war with other kids or with other schools for good kids. Get involved. Throw your name around there. Put some NIL stuff together. He's not doing any of that. We've known he wouldn't do any of that. And I think this is the first time ever since this article came out. This is the first time I can feel the majority of the fan base starting to turn a little bit. Not necessarily turn on Tom Izzo but they're getting up in their seats, okay? Because for the last year and a half, 90% of people were pointing at me like, you're wrong, Izzo's going to do this, you're nuts, trust him. And now they're like, oh shit, he's really not doing this. Uh, I have a couple things I want to pull from this and we can sidebar on. First quote, word for word. I don't think I'll ever use 13 scholarships again. I don't think you can keep 13 players happy. Cart, do you agree with that? No. Why not? Cause it's just not like, what do you mean? Like that's, that's that 
I got upset when you just talked about Tom Izzo and used the word lazy, but that right there, that's a lazy take. Like what? Like you don't want to keep there. Come on now. Like that's just, that, that doesn't make any sense. There's been many of basketball teams that have many different players. We're not saying you got to recruit 13 different you, you ain't got to keep one through 13 the same level of happy. You don't got to keep a A.J. Hogarth as happy as a, a Davis Smith. Like, it's not that's not the way basketball team works. And teams know that. And you should know that as a coach. I just think that's just that's I don't know. I don't even want to know the word is asinine. I don't know. It's just wrong. DK, I feel like you might disagree here a little bit. Yeah, I don't have as much of an issue with, like, holding 11 guys. I think nine is crazy, right? If you want to call, you know, Carson Cooper number 10, we can get to that. But I, to me, it's – he's – they have nine actual scholarship guys that they should play next year. And to go into the season this thin is that, – that's the craziest part for me, right? Like, you don't even technically really have, like, five on five to play in practice with guys that you're hoping to roll into the season with. And – you know, I, I thought they was going to add a body. And the fact that they went after two, you don't get either one of them. My understanding with the Michael Paris situation, I ended up talking to somebody about it, and it sounded more like it was a situation where he wanted to play 30 minutes per game, and Izzo would not guarantee that that was going to be a possibility, and so he chose a different route. And I understand that. That's from a player's perspective. If you didn't want to make the up into the next program, you know, I thought he was maybe going to be able to play 20 minutes per game, and they would have been able to kind of – pace together a little bit of that wing spot. Now it's going to get a little bit thinner on that. They just, they're heading into the season with no margin for injury error. I like the nine guys for the most part, even though it's too thin in the center spot, as I said, in the very beginning, as soon as the off season hit, they needed to add a center. And that was before Julius Marble decided that he was going to transfer. So this is a situation where I think this particular decision um, is just almost like an F you to everybody a little bit. Like he has a little bit of it where it just feels like I'm going to do this my way. We're going to roll with nine guys. And that is what it is. It is what it is. And uh, some of that, some stubbornness, some of it, I think is just, he does believe to a certain extent that these guys are good enough to roll with and whether we agree or not with that. Um, I, I don't know. This is going to be a very interesting season all around, I think, this year. And so this is a situation where, no, I think 11 guys would have been acceptable this year. Nine is not. And that's kind of where I'm standing going forward. I think I would have come around to that, too. Like, I've been screaming when they had 11 last year. I'm like, they left two open. The reason I'm screaming they left two open is because I could step back and say, I think the caliber of this roster is not good enough to compete for titles. That's how I've been viewing the lens of Michigan State basketball. And what has shifted to me is every decision and everything Tom Izzo has now gone public and said he's intending to do, to me signals he's not trying to compete for championships. Because does he know something we don't about these nine players? They're coming off back-to-back seventh-place finishes in the Big Ten. Like, I, I'm sorry, Jade Nakins is going to be really, really good. I love Jackson Kohler. And everybody else on this team has had chances and has not blossomed into what they can be. Now, I know we like A.J. Hogarth. I know there's discussions of what Tyson Walker can be if he plays more off the ball. I know Malik Hall in a bigger role could be really, really good. At the end of the day, aren't these guys just who they are? Like, why are you not using these spots to upgrade the caliber of your roster? Cart, do you think he genuinely thinks this team can win championships? I, I actually do think that he does think that. I, I truly think he does and call that him being stubborn, call that him 
being overly confident, call whatever phrase you want to use. I truly do think that he thinks that this team can get it done. I don't think he would. You agree? I don't think I would. I don't think that'd be his mindset ever going into season. That, you know, this is just my team. I think we can be okay. I truly think that he's done it enough. He's done it for a long enough time that he he really does believe that this team can get it done. And you agree? I kind of agree with that. I agree with that with Card. I do. I do believe he he has talked himself into thinking that this roster can compete for a Big Ten title. I don't know if he thinks it's national championship quality, but I think that he thinks he can compete with the Big Ten title and he wasn't going to be able to get somebody else in there. I, I don't I don't agree with that, but that is what I think he thinks. I Yeah, I think he's either insane then or honestly, before talking this out with you guys, like I just think he's lying straight up. I think he's choosing the lazy option. I don't know how someone as smart as Tom Izzo and as good and successful as Tom Izzo has been for 20-plus years, can look at this roster and say, we can win a national championship. They can't. Like, I'm sorry. This team cannot do that. And I don't know that they could have gotten there anyway with the guys he was going to target in the portal. Maybe with two impact guys you could, though. And that's what's frustrating about this. Team. Okay, but uh, before we go on to the next thing, though, Greg, to, in fairness, what is he supposed, what's he supposed to say? I don't know. I, I what, what, like, what is, I what is, is he supposed to come out and be like, my roster's okay? My roster's average? No, he's not. But I, if I'm him and this is the decision I've made, that I'm going to go into a season with nine guys, I'm not doing a press circuit. I'm not taking Graham Couch's phone call. Okay. Like, and, if, and if he doesn't do that, then there's people like me and you that are like, oh, Izzo's hiding. Izzo's being lazy. Izzo doesn't want to talk to the press. Like, it, 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 it it's – it, right now, it's a lose-lose situation for him in the eyes of probably you because, like, what, like, what, what do you want him to say? Do you want, at first, you're giving him shit because he's not doing anything, or he's sideline at a Grizzlies game, and now he's actually talking about the program no. or doing something, and you're pissed about it. Okay, look, you better keep the same line. energy if Juwan Howard doesn't add anybody else either. I know they got 11 guys. Oh, I will. If he doesn't add anybody else. Keep the same energy. No, That's all believe, believe me, I will. Again, we're going to get to a point a couple weeks from now where I will be extremely critical of Michigan basketball. I was critical of the Llewellyn ad. Right now, as their roster stands, those guys stink. They can't win anything. And they're wasting Hunter Dickinson, the gift that is one more year of Hunter Dickinson. Now, I know for a fact, like sources, that they are after some of the biggest names in the portal. So – I don't know when that's going to play out. I think they're officially waiting for both Houston and Diabate's impending departures, but I know that they're going to try. They're not going to sit this out and say, we have nine guys. If they miss on all of them, I'll be upset, but I don't think it's the same as pointing at your coach for being like, I feel great about my nine man roster with no future that's NBA fair. guys. I mean, if they try, then that's all you can ask. That's right. all, that's we, really all we want. That's all we want. Yeah. And, and I don't think that going after two guys and then clapping your hands and going, I did my best. Right. I, I don't think that that probably qualifies in my opinion this year. And last point about that, right. If, if he truly believes this team could win a national championship, if we're I don't think that he thinks that though. How many years do you think like he's done this long enough to know when he has a team that he thinks can win a national championship or not. Right. I do think if you look up and down the conference next year and how unproven it is, I think that he looks at his roster and says, I can compete for a big 10 title next year. And who are either one of us to say that that's not possible the way that the conference is going to shake out because Illinois probably got more talent. Uh, Michigan has maybe a safer floor with Hunter Dickinson. You know, Indiana is still Indiana to me until they prove it. Like the conference is going to be really bad next year. And I think it's more of a five to six tourney team than it is like what it was this season. 
I think the top is not going to be as strong. And I think he's looking at it and saying, maybe I can go win out in a Big Ten title. I'd rather do it with my guys and go pick up somebody else. So I think you're right for the record. That's probably 100% what's happening is he's more like, okay, we can compete in the Big Ten, and that's fine for a year. Let's go get the guys in, at the high school ranks that we want the next year. Uh, the thing is, I will be the guy to go on record. I'll look the camera right in the eyes right now. This team can't win the Big Ten. Can't do it. I'm sorry. You're not winning a Big Ten that has Trace Jackson Davis coming back with all the talent Indiana has, or even just Hunter Dickinson and a coach who's trying to play the portal, or even Illinois who's getting five-star guys and two good transfers. Like, you've got coaches who are playing the game right now, and then you've got a coach who isn't, who's sitting on a roster that, quite frankly, I don't like. If he did play the game. Maybe- I like our backcourt almost as well as anybody else's, though, and that's the difference for me this season. And yeah. the one glimmer of hope I have, and despite the fact that I am kind of disgusted with the way the offseason's gone, I would give it a failing grade for the staff. I kind of like some of parts of the roster, and that's what maybe even hurts me a little bit more. Because if you just added a piece or two, yes. I think you really could have gone out. Maybe you win the Big Ten by a couple games, you know, like – that's the sad thing to me. And I do think they could find a way to scratch a claw, but they got to stay healthy. Guys have to take jumps. And we've talked about it. Just a lot has to go right for Michigan State to compete for a Big Ten title and make a second weekend. And there was a way to put together a roster where it wouldn't have to be so much of a question mark and it should be an expectation. And that's that's what's disappointing in all this, I think. Well, he also said word for word. This is one of the other quotes I wrote down. If we get one injury, it could decimate the season. So, Tom, again, if you're telling me, man to man here, to the whole fan base, if you're telling us this is a team that can compete for a Big Ten championship, why aren't you bolstering that with one to two role guys? Like, again, even like if you like these nine guys, but you're admitting one injury blows it off. What, like, what are we doing? You're really telling me there's not some sort of role guy, even if it's three more Carson Coopers you go get to make sure Steven Izzo doesn't check into a game? At some point this season, like, is that crazy, Car? I don't feel like it's too much to ask. Bro, we're one injury. We're one injury away from not being able to run five on five in practice. I just don't get it. I really don't. There's so Izzo's many. gonna Izzo's gonna have to suit up for practice. We're going on five on five soon. Like, that's just I don't know. That's crazy to me. I, I don't know. Before you move on to your next point, I just want to kind of just get this one thing off my chest. Yes. And this might be off topic as hell. But the thing that eats at me the most and really keeps me up at night and whatever you want to call this is the fact of the matter that we don't carry ourselves like Michigan State. Mm-hmm. That's what really just absolutely kills me. Like we shouldn't we, – we, I don't know what the phrase is, like whatever, like you, you start on third base or something like that or you start on second base. Like we have a little bit of an edge. Like I'm sick of recruiting and carrying ourselves like we're fucking Northwestern. Like, we're Michigan State. It's not that hard to get somebody to come play for us. It is not that hard to get a body. It really isn't. It shouldn't be. And that's what really pisses me off. The lack of effort and carrying ourselves like we're not Michigan State. It sucks. Well, I've I've also been trying to sort of express to the Michigan people I talk to why there's going to be growing frustration with the fan base with this shit is because with football, you've got a guy who is now carrying himself like he's a top five program in the country. You've got a guy using the NIL resources. You've got a guy who's succeeding and killing it in the portal. And I think the more that Mel Tucker succeeds and the more glaring people make the comparison between D'Antonio and Izzo, which I don't think is fair at all. I really don't. Again, I was loudly saying they shouldn't get rid of Mark D'Antonio at the time, but I don't think that's a super fair comp. Point is, if the guy who is using all those resources is right across the road doing it great, 
the football side, it's going to get louder and buzzier over the next two years. So, uh, and also like at this point, for as long as Tom Izzo is going to be here, he's not going to play that game. We can agree that, right? Like if he didn't do it this off season, nothing's flipping an off season from now. He's going to have to land his high school guys. That's it. Right. <laughs> I mean, like, I think that's it. God. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. And to your point, like, we should be capitalizing off football success, too. Like, everything should be working as one right now. Like, the football program is coming back. We're going after four- and five-star guys. Mel Tucker's doing his thing in the portal. Even outside of the portal, that's the thing people fail to realize. The thing with Mel Tucker is it's not just the portal. He's going for he's going up against the big dogs. Like he's like, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go for these four and five star guys because I can, because I'm Michigan State football. We have a brand. Like having that type of swagger and having that type of energy, it 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 can work in any sport. And it should work with a coach like Tom Izzo. Tom Izzo should be on the road. Like I'm Tom fucking Izzo. Like I'm a top five coach or top 10 coach when I walk into any recruiting situation or any recruiting gym. NIL or not, whatever that, whatever you, whatever all extracurricular activities and whatnot, like I'm still a guy who can coach and has been the final fours. And right now I, it's just, I don't know. It's just nothing there. Just, he's just, he's just there. Yeah. I think this is kind of what happens when you come to end of a legends tenure. And I think that that is kind of what everybody is beginning to digest in their own in their own different way and I don't think there's any right way to do it you could be angry you could be uh, you know what I would call more of a loyalist you can kind of be split in between the line and I think maybe all three of us are to a certain extent this is it's a difficult part when some guy's been so successful doing it for 25 years and he's getting towards what I think is the end of his tenure and he's not going to really change who he is I mean he's made that very clear so this is a situation where we're going to have to ride some of this out a little bit you got to hope that he catches lightning in a bottle this year. And you got to hope that he hits a home run in the 2023 class. He has expanded the board a little bit for that. Uh, I know cart said there wasn't as many guys out there, but he's offered like three wing forward types uh, in addition to Booker and you have fears in the fold. So he has expanded the board a little bit recently. And you just have to hope that they hit in 2023 because if they don't, if you don't hit the class in 2023 and you're looking at next year where you're thin, you you could lose both your power forwards the, the, the power forward you're going to play is small forward this year. You don't really have a wing unless Brooks really takes that step forward. So there's just a lot of question marks heading into the next couple of years, and they really can't be answered until we see what the end of this recruiting cycle looks like and we see what next season looks like. Uh, that's that's all that means to be said. He's really relying on the development of the guys he has in the program right now and his trust in that. And if he's wrong, it's a huge gamble, and it's not going to go well. You know, it's, it's either going to work really well or it's going to be a disaster. And I don't think there's going to be any in between this year. So this is this is like buckle up. Let's see what happens. Right. He's rolling the dice on this season for the way that he intends to coach the rest of his tenure. And maybe if it doesn't go so well the next couple of years, he retires sooner than than we think. So, yeah, it's fascinating to me when you bring up the legacy side of this. So I, I love Tom Izzo into a group of guys that I would all consider from his era that have either gone out or still you're waiting for them to go out. And they've all done it in wildly different ways. You've got coach K who year in year out until he was out was a top 10 team in the country because he was playing the game. He'd been playing NIL before NIL was a game, right? Like that's not really one for one comparable to where we're at with Tom Izzo. Uh, And he did the whole song and dance for him having a full year. You have Jay Wright who 
I think, you know, they weren't necessarily out there paying players at Villanova, but this program was firing on all cylinders, goes to a final four, and he quietly steps aside and says, this isn't for me anymore. You've got Roy Williams, who I think is probably the closest to where we're at with Tom Izzo right now. Who Two kind of bad seasons in a row. A couple bad seasons in a row, but a program that's no more than five years removed from a Final Four. And it, it, like, it, it's weird because people are looking around like, can we be mad about this? Can we not? The program wants to hold itself to top five standards. And in that light, you kind of have to. And then Roy Williams, again, he didn't really tell people, even though the, the crowd got louder, he just stepped aside. And then you've got Jim Beheim, who's just never going to leave. <laughs> and I think Tom Izzo is somewhere in between that, but no one takes Jim Beheim seriously anymore. And I selfishly, I think, I, like, I would rather see Tom Izzo call it quits when he's closer to the way Roy Williams is remembered right now than where Syracuse is headed under Jim Beheim. And part of that, quite frankly, is I think Roy Williams left early enough that Hubert Davis had some things to work with. I don't necessarily know that that might be there if Tom Izzo continues on this trajectory for four or five more seasons. Um, a couple more quick quotes I want to get to on this. He said, if we pick up 13 guys, you've got three or four guys complaining, it can decimate your locker room. That sounds to me like someone has decimated the locker room in the past couple of years. I took that as a little bit of a Rocket Watts shot, maybe. Did, did that jump out or did any names jump out to you guys there, Cart? No, you want to know what jumped out to me since I played in a couple of locker rooms before? You want to know what really decimates locker rooms? Losing. <laughs> Losing. That really that, – that's trash. That really brings down the mood and decimates the locker room. You're not winning shit. So, no, I didn't think that was a rocket. That's a stretch. No wonder you threw out your back in Nashville. Okay. I don't – no, like, I, I don't think that's a stretch for, like, him to at least have gotten to the point where he's had a couple so-so locker rooms lately and, like – I normally the guys that do transfer out from Michigan state are like non-rotation guys. Like rocket was expected to be a big part of that. He was pretty loudly reported to be a problem in the locker room. Like maybe he's afraid of bringing in a guy like rocket Watts. Is that nuts? TK? Uh, I don't know. I think two years ago, there just wasn't enough talent on the roster around Aaron Henry. And we saw him drag them to the tournament. I think last year was a combination of, you know, probably didn't play Bingham enough. We know that was a two-way street. And, again, maybe not quite as much talent on the roster again. The five-star didn't leave, live up to the billing. And I think that they've really lacked on-floor leadership the last couple of years. I think Henry was kind of forced into that role, in my opinion. Um, I think this last season, A.J. wanted this to be his team, but it wasn't yet because Gabe and Marcus are on the team. The seniors, he's only a sophomore. So I, I think that the locker room is going to be good this year. Like you got nine guys, the chemistry better be fucking lights out. Right. And all these dudes better like each other because the, the, the way the season's going is going to depend on how much these kids just kind of lock arms and vibe into probably what they're going to feel from the fan base a little bit. So I, I'm really hoping that that changes, but I don't know. Car, do you think there's going to be any uh, lingering jealousy from Joey Hauser and Tyson Walker that they were not invited to the famed Memphis Grizzlies playoff game courtside? No, I no, I think that I think I think that'll be okay. I think I think we'll persevere over that, just, that situation. I, two of those two of those four players get a starting spot, and the other two get invited courtside. It's interesting to me. Uh, anyways, 
<laughs> I really hate you sometimes. I I truly do. <laughs> I know there's going to be some Michigan people listening to this, and I had to do my due diligence. The, that. that Grizzlies game, I just never knew had this type of effect. I mean, it was just great to see Tom so active in support of Dwayne Stevens' inauguration and, you know, a couple guys who played for him seven years ago who are having great success in the playoffs. It's awesome. That's good to know because I can't wait to your next big step. I'm not showing up. Okay, because I'm be too busy doing stuff for sleepers. I, I, I don't have time. <laughs> I'm not showing. I would respect you if you were doing things for sleepers for the record. Uh, the other guy I thought he took a pot shot at here was Max Christie. He says if, that if you ask, well my staff, if you ask my staff, they think Jaden Akins is going to be better than Max Christie. That's not sour grapes. End quote. <laughs> that that is sour grapes. Come on, that is sour grapes. I'm dead. It's like when you say with all grape. due respect, and then you just blast somebody. <laughs> I mean, totally. Like, I, I'm not saying I disagree long term. I love Aikens, and I think Max is crazy for going pro right now, uh, especially going pro and then sitting out parts of the combine. Like, who does he didn't that? scrimmage? Crazy. Soft. But uh, also, like, that's very clearly a pot shot, right? Like. <laughs> That was a pretty tart. Like he did not need to go there about comparing Aikens to Christie. Also, are we sure Aikens is going to be better than Christie? I said this in the group chat. I sent it to Cart, uh, a different one than the one that all three of us are in. But uh, Cart, I was like, Aikens isn't better than Christie right now. I can't believe he's saying this. And you were like, yes, he is. And we argued about it for like 20 minutes. Well, cause, it, cause it's not bad. It's not all on court things for me. Okay. What is it then? Uh, the, the fact that, you know, Max Christie has a curfew. He sleeps in a Lightning McQueen bed. Like it's different things for me. Like I, I can point to big moments last year where Aikens gave us stuff in big games. When it came to big games last year, Cormac was nowhere to be found. He Cormac was not him. Like I, for for me, the whole situation on Cormac leaving and the way he left. I already told you this when we talked about it the first time. I didn't want him back just because I don't care what he does on the court. I don't want that. I, I just don't, I don't want that soft, whatever he's got going on around. Like he, he could end up being a good player. He really could. But at the end of the day, if it comes to a big time moment, you're not going to be able to count on Cormac. Cause he's not, he's not that, that he doesn't have that in his blood. It's just not how he's wired. Yeah, the way I'll say this: If the staff is going to say that stuff about Aikens, they damn well better put the ball a lot more in his hands this season. Let's just be very clear about that because they almost had no offensive role for him last year. If you're going to be saying how good he can be, then you better let him off the leash a little bit and give him the ball and some control of the offense at some points this season. Yeah, got to play the kid. I think all three of us love Aikens. Uh, I did like where I push back is just like instantly saying, we think he's going to be better than Christie or we think he is better than Christie. I don't know what the quote was word for word, but like, I mean, if you look at what Aikens did in conference play last year was essentially nothing like 34% from the floor, uh, 33% from three, but on not many attempts, two points a game. Like if he gets a big role, I think we all like him, but I'm still not convinced he's going to get the big role when you've got Hogarth and Walker there. Hopefully they play three guards. Hopefully they play three guards and he's good. Like he might be exactly what Max Christie was. He might score nine points a game on 32% from three. Like that's not out of the question for this. And that's the only guy you've got besides Pierre Brooks. So it'll be fascinating. I'm way higher on him because he's going to be a three, four year guy. And I think by year three, four, he looks fantastic. So hopefully they give him some opportunity. Um, I think the, the final quote I want to get on here is uh, about the center spot. 
He says, I think uh, Mati Sissoko was a rebounding machine when he was playing in practice his first couple of years. End quote. Next sentence. I think we'll get back to starting to lead the country in rebounding again. DK, there's no chance Michigan State leads the country in rebounding this season. No, that's complete hyperbole. I will say that I think that there's a possibility that the wing rebounding could be better. With all respect to Gabe Brown and how springy he was, vertically gifted, I thought he was a poor rebounder. I think Akins will be a better rebounder, both Max and Gabe. Um, if he's given the same amount of time, I think Hogard can probably give you a little bit more rebounding too. Uh, but there's just not enough athleticism in the front court here. Um, I, I think they have, there's a ton of eggs in the Matty Sissoko basket. It's really difficult, I think, for us to be able to assess what he really looks like because he just didn't play. He played less minutes as a sophomore than he did as a freshman. There was one less body in front of him. So for the staff to just basically tell the fan base, don't worry guys, he's progressing along. It's, you know, everything looks good. You guys didn't feel that way because you didn't play him that way last year. Now we're supposed to just take the word that he's going to make this leap. I'm still cautiously optimistically that maybe there's a possibility he can give you 15, 18 minutes a night of defense, rebounding, shot blocking, but there's just no chance that this team with the way that it's built is going to be anywhere near tough enough on the boards um, to be able to make that kind of statement. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe he said that, Cart. I could not believe he said that. I, I couldn't believe he said that. That's just straight up lying. Like, I, you know, I'm all for people being optimistic, but, like, are, can we just, like, call a spade a spade? Maddie just might not be what we thought he was going to be. You know, he's a top 50 guy coming out of high school. A lot of those rankings come with potential. And Maddie did have that same potential, but he is clearly right now the same exact player that he was when he came out of Wasatch Academy. He damn near might even be a little bit worse. And that is what it is. The progression has not been there. So if we have a two-year sample size, call it what you want with the COVID year and him not having a summer, of him just making some unbelievable summer jump. Like if Maddie makes a jump, he's still probably not a starting caliber center. In a big on a Big Ten team, he damn near might not even be a role player at this point. Like he would have to make a immaculate jump to get to that point, and I'm not banking on that. And the fact that we are banking on that is also one of the things that keeps me up at night. And that's probably why I see bags under my eyes, and that's probably why DK calls me negative all the time because <laughs> stuff like that. You're not negative about this. I mean, I think that this was the craziest decision of the bunch for the offseason, right? I mean, it's one thing if you like the way that the wing is, you want to see if Pierre Brooks can pro progress because you're looking at this as maybe a two-year window where you're going to have Aikens and Brooks and some of these guys. So maybe you're looking ahead a little bit and saying, I want to give him time to develop to see if he's something. Um, but I, I think that, you know, the center spot, you take a peek at that and that you just don't know what you're going to get. And I, I think we're all as high on Jackson Kohler as can be. But even let's say he can play 20, 25 minutes of pretty good offensive basketball, I think there's still going to be some deficiency defensively. And I think that what are you really going to do for the other 15 to 20 minutes a night there if you need it? Uh, the scariest part is like you're a Jackson Kohler injury away from just having no depth. I mean, that's Matty Sissoko and Joey Hauser playing 40 minutes per game, or you're burning Carson Cooper's uh, red shirt, which the best offer that he had was Vermont. So I think that this is a situation where he was strongly considering taking a post-grad year and spending another year to be able to develop his game. If you're relying on, on him to be able to give you some contribution minutes because of some type of injury that happens, I mean, that is an alarmist type situation for that. I just, 
the thought that you didn't add at least a forward or a like a guy that's six eight to six ten somewhere in there to be able to play either the four or the five, uh, mind boggling to me, to be honest with you. Yeah. At least they have the break glass in case of emergency option of playing Hauser slash maybe Hall at the five. Like I think we talked maybe weeks ago at this point, and I actually said wing was more concerning to me because I felt like you had those guys as a third option if everything fell to hell. Uh, I don't know what you do like at this point with this roster, just if Pierre Brooks is totally unplayable. And I'm like, I guess you go full on three guards, but then are you playing all three guards 40 minutes? Like I just well, don't know. Malik playing is going to be the starting small forward this year. That's that's everything I've heard. He's starting at the small forward. As long as the center spot's okay, he is. And then if it's not, then you got to move Hauser there and then you got to move Malik to the four, right? Like it's like if yeah. all you need is one guy to not be playable here and everything falls apart. That's what's crazy. Can I ask you what's your ideal – like mid, like you're in February, March, what's your guys' ideal lineup with what is in place right now? You go first, Cart, unless you need time. I have my answer if you need time. Uh, AJ, Tyson, Jaden, Malik. I damn near want to say small ball, to be honest. Joey Malik. Interesting. Okay. Greg? Mine is for sure with Kohler at the five. I think the best case for this team ceiling to be high is Kohler's like an animal offensively, which I think is possible. Uh, I, you know where I'm at on this. I, I am anti Tyson Walker. That's just how I am. I think if he's your sixth man, you're in a good spot. I think if he's playing 30 minutes at the two, I don't love that. And I think it will get in the way of Jaden Akins. So I would like to see by end of season, Hogard, Akins, Hall, Hauser, Kohler, Tyson Walker okay. on the bench. I would have carts line. I think I'd like to see the three guard. I want, I want to see it in the beginning of the season to see what it looks like, but I think that I like the combination of shooting and ball handling. I think that they can defend still because Hogard's capable of guarding a wing and there's just not a ton of wings that they kind of have gotten eradicated from the big 10. The last couple of seasons, it's been a dump into the NBA basically. So really only Illinois and a couple, a couple guys from Michigan to me are like kind of the better wings this year. Um, so I'd like to see the three guard lineup and I'm with you. I think I would have Kohler at the five and Hauser uh, coming off the bench, the six man Paul at the four. That is a really good example though. Like I think there's more flexibility with Izzo's top seven than there's been yes. in a very long time. Just everyone can play two positions in this nine man rotation, in my opinion, outside of Hogard and Sissoko. They're one and five. Everybody else can play multiple positions. Akins can play two or three. Uh, Brooks can play three or four. Kohler can play four or five. You kind of just kind of go up and down it, right? Tyson can play one or two. Um, so I, I think that there is some nice flexibility. It's just if one guy gets injured, all that flexibility goes to naught, and you're just playing very thin. And he admitted that. That's the craziest part. It's like yeah. every everyone's aware that's the situation. Is always going full like one of those like inspirational entrepreneurs like on TikTok like I don't I don't have a plan B my plan B is to make sure plan A works like all right that's dope but like at the same time no like that that's not how it should work like we should maybe I don't know add somebody I just don't like what was that game last year where AJ Hogarth and Tyson Walker literally sprained their ankles in back-to-back possessions yeah. we're like two sprained ankles away well, we have almost four PG point guards Davis. on the lineup now so we, what? we're good there. We have four point guards in the lineup. So don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, I guess. But geez, I mean, I don't know, man. Ankles it happens, man. Like the ankles are going to get turned damn near. Injuries are going to happen. You better hope not, Cart. 
Uh, also, if he's just is he just Gary V? Is that the comparison for Tom Izzo at this point? Inspirational speaker? Is that I, I mean, I don't know. Like he doesn't want to hear about Plan B and Plan C. That double down, make Plan A work. I like the idea of doubling down. You, you and I have been there many a time to double down when we've been in dire straits. So, uh, who knows? Maybe they'll call the sleepers and we'll put some ideas in his head here. All right, final segment that I have for you guys today. I have ten questions. I'm putting. 15 seconds on the clock for each of you. We're going to go through these 10 questions. They are all specific to your current opinions of Tom Izzo. Some of these might be a little harsh, but I think they're questions that need to be asked. Uh, And I'm just going to jump right into them. We'll go one through 10 here. Number one, do you believe actually (laughs) number one, what percent of those Tom Izzo quotes do you believe? Cart, you go first. Let's go cart first, DK second for all of these. Uh, 87%. So he's not lying. No, I think he's, I think he's actually being pretty truthful about how he actually feels. Whether it's right or wrong, I think that he's damn near being very truthful, except for that Madison Soko quote. That's that what a, I was going to say, too. Lie. That's the only one. That's that the only one. Everything That's else straight is up telling lie. how he feels. That's a lie. Wow. Okay. Uh, I guess follow-up question to that one, then. Number two. What percent of Tom Izzo is delusional? <laughs> Cart, go first. Many of the greats are delusional. <laughs> so 80, 87% truth, what percent delusion? It's it, it, delusion is not the word. Like he, I, I don't like less than, less than 30% delusional. DK. Yeah. I don't think he's delusional. I think it's, it has more to do with stubbornness and, I don't just believing in what he's done and he's created and not having to change to be successful. I think, I think it's a lot more to do with inner belief and stubbornness than it does with delusion for him. Number three, and this is one I've, I've led up to plenty of times. I refer to it as the breaking point, quote unquote, breaking point. I'm asking Michigan state fans at which point they no longer want Tom Izzo to be their head coach. I've been adamant. I'll look the camera in the eyes again. The majority of this fan base is going to get there at some point in the next two seasons. If Tom Izzo is still the coach and this continues on the trend line, it is, you will say that I've been right all along. So I ask you to right now, do you still want Tom Izzo to be the head coach of Michigan state basketball? Carter go first right now. Yes. Okay. Yes. But this year and the next, what happens the next two years for me is the line. That's it. He's got to figure it out these next two years. They have to exceed expectations. For me, that's you got to finish top three in the conference this year. Got to make a second weekend at least. And you have to be building your team towards something in the next two years to make an actual run at a Big Ten title or a Final Four. And if you don't com- compile a team to be able to do that in the next two years, then we need to start having serious questions of when it's best for him to step down. Number four. Do you think Tom Izzo can win a national championship in this era of the portal and NIL? Carter, your answer. Like percentage or just straight up yes or no? Just yes or no. Can he win a national title? Is there any way that Tom Izzo, who is currently refusing to add more than nine players to his roster because he believes he can only keep nine players happy, can win a national championship in this era? Yes. You're insane. DK? <laughs> um, I think it's going to be difficult the way the – like, he, he'd have to hit on a lot. Like, Maddie has to take the bump. 
Pierre Brooks has to take the bump. Aikens has to be a first. Like, so much has to go right. You got to retain Malik Hall. You have to land Xavier Booker. Like, there's a lot that has to go right in the next few years. But I don't know how long he has left. So it's difficult for me to say. If he's going to be here for another seven to eight, am I going to say he absolutely can't do it? No. But if his window is shortening and you're asking me in the next two to three years if he's going to be able to get over the top, um, it, it would a lot of things would have to go right for that to happen. My answer fits DK. The reason I say yes is because it's the NCAA tournament. Like we've seen it's, it's how many games you got to win to get to the national championship. Like UNC is a good example this year. I know that they had some talent on the roster, but basically Caleb Love kind of just went crazy and Baycott just man down the middle and they made a run to the national championship game. Right. I'm not saying we have a guy like that. Yeah. I'm sorry. Sorry to cut you off DK. I'm not saying we have a guy like that, but I'm saying like runs like that happen. Like St. Peter's this year made an elite eight, like it stuff can happen. Like, I'm not saying it's yes. Like put go put a bet down, but I'm saying there is, I'm not going to completely shut the door that, he could make he could somehow win a national championship i wouldn't shut the door on most teams to be honest okay that's interesting i i do think that's a crazy answer cart i i don't know that you said yes necessarily dk but i felt like you were less crazy in your explanation i just think like i even if he lands the one and a half recruits he wants a year and i really like jeremy fears and i i don't think they're gonna get xavier booker honestly but if they do i really like xavier booker I still think this roster as is today is so far away from that. I don't think adding those two guys puts them close to being a national championship contender. And I, like, I hear the comparison to North Carolina, just in the fact that like an 11 seed or whatever they were can make a run. Uh, But that 11 seed had guys that had NBA decisions and are coming back to school. Michigan state doesn't have that right now. They have a long way to go. And again, he left four scholarships open this off season. Um, So that's where I'm at. All right. Number five. Do you think Tom Izzo will make a final four before he calls it quits? Carter. No. Elaborate, please. Everything that I've seen and the way we're moving doesn't make me confident that we are going to make a final four. DK. I know this one's one's going to hurt DK if he says the two-letter N-word here. Yeah. Ugh. I think he finds a way to get to one more final four before he retires. I do. I just don't know when that's going to be. I, I, we, if I asked you the over under being two and a half years, then I assume you'd say the over. I know we're, we're not thinking final four next season based on where they're at right no, now. No, I'm not thinking final four next season. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'd say he'd have to put the team together in two seasons from now. Got it. Interesting. Okay. Uh, number six, five left here. Number six. Do you think Tom Izzo right now at this moment on Sunday, May 22nd at 10.04 p.m. Eastern knows when he is done as a head coach at Michigan State? Carter? No. No. Really? No. Both of you say no. Really? No, I don't think he knows when he's going to be done. I think it's going to be end of the season and he's just going to leave like Roy Williams did. I think he's going to make a decision. He's going to be done. I don't expect him to announce it before. It's not who he is. I think he's going to eventually hit a point where he's done and he's just going to hang it up. Yeah. You know how you talk about fan breaking point? I think same thing is going to happen with Izzo. He's going to reach his breaking point and he's going to be like, I can't, I'm done with this. I like that. Uh, how many years does Steven Izzo have left? Is it one or two? He's already graduated. This is his last year. Technically. So one season left? His senior. Yep. Can I, can I go my conspiracy mode real quick, Hart? I know we had a timer on this game, but can I go my conspiracy mode real quick? 
Sure, man. I'm I'm just sick because my dog's probably been barking at a bag that's outside <laughs> this whole time. But go ahead. Sorry. I thought it was on brand for the Spartan dog episode. Woof, woof. Uh, so I, I think he knows when he's done. I think he might be done after this season. I know he's on fears and Booker and we all like those two guys. I think that the timing of Dwayne Stevens going to Western now when he had been rumored for that job plenty of times before should signal to everyone some smoke here. I think that Izzo wanted to prop him up just to have a little head coaching experience if he's done either one to two years from now. I don't think he's here more than two seasons, but I think there's at least a 40% chance he's done after this incoming season. Also, Dwayne Stevens can go 12 and 18 this year and look like a success at that program right now. And I think he wants to prop his guy up. That's my theory. We'll revisit that in a little bit. Uh, but I think he knows when he's done. Number seven. Do you think Tom Izzo knows who his replacement is? There's a good follow-up to that. I do with my conspiracy. I think it's he's going to go full-on promotional campaign. Dwayne Stevens is the next head coach. DK, you go first on this one. I think that the candidacy list is going to be between Dwayne Stevens and Drew Valentine. I guess we'll have to see the timing of the retirement versus you know Drew potentially getting another gig and seeing how that goes. I will say this, that I think that the longer Alan Haller is in power, as Justin Thin has said before previously, I think the more autonomy he's going to have in making that next decision. There's no doubt in my mind that Tom Izzo is going to have a large say in who he wants uh, to follow him. But I do think that the power that is being generated by the football program um, and, and subsequently is being given to Alan Haller from that hire, from the Mel Tucker hire, that's going to create a little bit of change in the power structure of the university as a whole. So while Izzo is going to have some say, I think that there's going to be some guys having to sign off on that. And I think that, um, th that there's going to be a lot more politicking behind just Tom Izzo anointing somebody. So I disagree with the conspiracy. I, I think that there's going to be some people in power who are going to back Drew Valentine and it's going to, um, it, it's going to be a two horse race in my opinion, between those two guys. Cart. Yeah, I don't think I agree with DK. I don't think the successors pick, but I think the list is already set. That I, I don't think, and I don't think it's going to change. Like he said, moving forward, I think it's down to the, that two or three. I think it was, I think there will be a third person in there. I'm not sure it was exactly going to be, or it's the name slipping my mind right now. But that list is set for sure. Interesting. Okay, I uh, my only pushback there would be I think Izzo the same way everyone publicly seems to say. He can't go into this season without adding someone. And now Thomas sitting back and saying, well, yeah, I can. I think that might happen with Wayne Stevens. I think there's going to be a lot of people saying, well, he, or, he can't really rule out Drew Valentine. And I know it's not his decision one for one, but I think we're underestimating how influential he will be when that time comes and what has already been put in motion with my conspiracy theory here. Three left. Number eight. This is an open-ended question, Cart. You're going first. How much can Tom Izzo hurt his legacy from now until the day he retires to you. Like how much, like just you need a number or just like he, how much he can do it. Just an explanation, I guess. Again, we got, I went through the four guys earlier, right? The coach K J Wright, Roy Williams, Jim Beheim. I would say Jim Beheim has sort of ruined his legacy to fans and to college basketball people at large. I don't think Tom Izzo is there yet, but in my mind, I think he could get there. Yeah, I think he I think he can get there too. I this is what I'll say. I don't think that I I'm, this this sounds right in my head, but it might sound bad coming out. 
I don't think he can necessarily improve his legacy. I think he can solidify his legacy with another, you know, run in the tournament. I think that would solidify it, but it could get a whole lot. Worse. He could ruin his legacy to a certain, well, or he could he could definitely tarnish his legacy if he continues on the path that he's on. And let's say he misses the tournament or something, that that would tarnish it. Yes, to me. PK, I think there is a possibility to have a bad taste at the finish, but I think if, if you even kind of look at the way D'Antonio finished, which was poor, we, we look on those years a lot more favorably because the next hire worked out. So I think it's difficult to say exactly how we'll feel about it, depending on the transition and the way that the program uh, pivots, because if, if it's a seamless transition and it ends up working out the next hire and we continue to win at a high level again, uh, I, I think that he'll be remembered a lot more fondly as, you know, as the guy that basically built the program, not that he won't still, but I do think if he continues on this for the next two or three or four years, it just depends on how long it goes. If he, if he hangs it up in a couple of years, I think it's still pretty rock solid, but it, if, if it continues on and it, and it, we just basically fall to a middling team in the big 10, I do think that there is some tarnishment on it. I love your point about how the next guy will change how we view that i think you're 100 right i also just will add to this discussion i think i sent this to card the other day but more time has elapsed between tom izzo's national title and now than the 1979 magic johnson national title and tom izzo's first national title both your past two coaches don't have one so shut up <laughs> i'm just saying uh you know, if you don't have one don't come to the table number nine what is the percent chance that Michigan State makes the NCAA tournament this season? Now, I'm going to throw this out there. I'm going to throw this out there before you answer. Carter and I were sent that text word for word from a current Division I head coach. Not naming names. It might not be who people think it is. But what is the percent chance Michigan State makes the tournament? Carter? 70. I like that. 65, 70. I'd be pretty surprised. It, it would basically – they'd have to get injured in the wrong position. So it's possible, but they, they would have to sustain some injuries. I think my answer was – what was my answer, Cart, when I said – was I say 30? 30. No, it was miss, wasn't it? You said 30 that they – No, when it was posed to us, it was what were the odds they missed the tournament. And I said 30, I think. And you said – Oh, I thought it was make, but, uh, you know, either here yeah, or there. I think 70, 70 feels right to me because of how down the Big Ten is. I think if it was a little stronger, I'd be a little more – If this was last year's Big Ten and this was this team rolling into it, I would be – I'd be pretty worried about it. I won't lie. But I think the conference, again, like we briefly touched on, there's just there's no surefire team for me in this conference this year. I, I think it's, I think again five to six teams. That's what I see it this year. I'd be surprised if any more. Yeah, the three of us will do a lot more conference stuff leading up to the season. I'm sure. Final question, uh, Greg. I'm looking at the text right now, and you said 30 percent chance that they make the tournament. Uh, that's, that's, <laughs> that's me being very drunk in Nashville. 30 percent is so. <laughs> 30% is solely because Izzo might be able to make the tournament with five guys off the street and the Big Ten kind of stinks. And I proceeded to say, stop, Greg. That is so disrespectful. How dare you? You know what? I'm going to double down. I'm going to double down. Fine. I'm going to double down with drunk Greg's take here. Uh, that's correct. First of all, I praised Izzo in that. I stand by that. Izzo could probably take the three of us and two guards from Planet Fitness to the NCAA tournament any given year. He's going to split with Michigan no matter how good Michigan is. I'll tell you that right now. They're going one and one next season. 
no matter how bad one team is and one is good. Unless Michigan's the one that's bad and State's the one that's good, then they'll sweep them. Tom Izzo's that good of an in-game coach. He's that bad of a roster manager right now. And I also, like, Cart just decides to get out of that that video while I'm going on that spiel. Thank you, Cart. I was taking care of the dog, I think. He is, he is. But, uh, you know, dogs always taking care of each other, man. I'm just trying to get something clippable for the socials here, going on a little bar here and can't do it. Uh, Just cut his film out. It's no big deal. Yeah, that's I'm sure that's what I want to spend all day tomorrow on. Number 10, the final question. I do want Card to make sure he's – can you hear us still? Are you good to hear? Thumbs up? Yeah, straight up my laptop. I just noticed it wasn't plugged in. It, I caught it at 2%. It was about to completely die. Look at that. Wow. That, I, is that a motif for Michigan State basketball as a program? It's on its very last bar. Next question. I hate you. <laughs> Number 10, final question. And I want you to be honest. I want both of you to be honest with me on this. I, I never lie on this podcast. Go. Well, I, this one's going to make you want to lie. I want you both to be honest. Would you rather, if I gave you two options right now, a two-way street, you can turn left or right. Left, you have 10 more seasons of Tom Izzo. You have to sign up for it right now. He's the head coach through 2020, no, 32, 2032. Or Tom Izzo retires surprisingly out of nowhere tomorrow. John Beeline to the Cavs style. Says, I'm done, I'm hanging it up. I'm moving to the Upper Peninsula. Which path are you taking? Carter, go first. Retirement. Please elaborate. I want to build suspense for DK's answer here as well. But please elaborate. Everything that I've seen moving forward in the forecast of how Tom Izzo is going to operate, I'd rather take my chances with somebody else instead of this for 10 years. It's little like like Tom Izzo takes the approach of all in on plan A. I'm, you know, I'm I'm over here weighing you know, some options, doing some forecasting on what the, I don't want to get my chart out, but you know how I feel about charts. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I bank on, I rather bank on somebody else. Unfortunately, You're all in on plan B. Izzo's in on plan A and you're all in on plan B. That's yeah. If you want to say that. Yes. Okay. DK, the moment of truth. Yeah. This depends on who the coach is after him again. That, that would change my perspective of what, if you're telling me that 10 years from now, you know, we got like a great coach changed out or we run into a situation where he retires and we get Dwayne Stevens. And my choice is that or Drew Valentine. Like that to me is the the whole thing. Like if I could choose, if you're telling me I get to choose the next head coach and he retires or he spends the next 10 years. Can't do that. Well, then I I don't know how to answer. I'd like to interject. I'd like to interject. I, I, I got to interview Dwayne Stevens. He won me over. Like, and I know that's a personal thing. You talk to the guy, you, you get the charm, all that, that happens. But I'm not convinced Dwayne Stevens is just a watered down Tom Izzo at this point. Like he was talking about shit he wants to do differently and philosophically believes is different. I didn't expect that. I just, I guess I just don't know. Right. Cause he hasn't spoken the entire time that he's been at Michigan state and now he's got a new job and it's not one in which we can really evaluate him. Like you've said. So I don't know. I, the thing is, you're going to just clip this and then it's going to get twisted. And, and I don't want you to be, be honest. Able to twist we don't lie to the people I on this. I really program. want to answer this one. I, I feel like I'm just going to sit out on this. I'd like to know the two of you guys' perspective. But oh, boo. You, you didn't let me do my hypothetical to be able to choose the next coach. So I can't, I don't know how I feel about that. 
if I let you choose the hypothetical next coach? If Ask me next year this. Ask me the same question next year, and I will answer to the best of my ability fully. But I can't do it this this season. I just got to see what this looks like. I'm, I'm just dying to know what this looks like. Whatever yeah. it is, it's going to be fascinating. This experiment that he's going to be on is going to be fascinating. There's DK, going to be a lot DK, DK, that's not how sales works, man. When the manager calls you in, he's like, I need a forecast. And you give him a, I mean, I don't know. I got to see how, no, it ain't how things go. You got to let me know where you're at. You got to need an answer. Uh, it, look, first of all, that was just the very charming David Klein way of avoiding the are you at the breaking point question, which I know. Yeah, I know that's exactly it. right. You reworded the question. I, I have no, had some experience. No, in that no that's not true. This was, a, this was the same question that you previously asked. You just worded that's it not differently. True. Because, yes, no, sir. My client objects. Point, breaking, breaking point would mean you're both ready. You're, you want him gone, man. And I'm telling you that moment's coming. I'm telling everyone this, listen to this, that moment's coming. But this is a nice, like, 10 more years or no more years. And I think deep down, again, people listening to this should side on the no more year side of this, whether it's Dwayne Stevens or whether it's Drew Valentine. Your coach is going to play with nine players because he wants to keep nine players happy. That's it. That's all he wants to do. And, look, if this team wins the Big Ten, clip everything you have on me in the last 24 months. Make fun of me. I'll give you all the power in the world to anyone listening to this to just come to my doorstep and throw beer in my face and tell me I'm an idiot. It's not going to happen. You do no. know in the three years since Juwan Howard's picked it up that Michigan State and them have basically had very close to concurrent runs. I get that they made a Sweet 16 last year, but they have, what, an eighth-place finish, an eighth-place finish, and a first wait, wait, place. Wait, 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 we're first 7-7, seven, seven, right? We're, we're comparing runs of a program that's made seven straight Sweet 16s versus one that's missed – well, that's nice. Uh, I mean, that's that nice. Coach made how the many year, the COVID that year out of it. That coach's team was so good that he quit on your Hang team. the banner. I, hopefully they hang that banner. Seven he, straight sweet 16s. He, he quit on he quit on your team to go to the NBA to be By the way, we don't, we, being racist. We, we don't hang banners for March success. We print the t-shirts to say Mr. March. You guys taught us that, right? That's, ah, where, that's where we're ah. at. Uh, look, and by the way, I, I do want to be extremely clear again. I still believe Tom Izzo is a top five in-game coach in the world. He could literally drag the three of us and two anybody's to beating Michigan. I believe that wholeheartedly. I'm not disputing that. The roster management, roster building part of this is, is where he's going to lose in this era. And that's where I'm at. So. This is fair. This is fair. Well, thank you. Uh, we had to get the banter in at the end. I appreciate that. Uh, DK, what's going on with Spartan Hoops these days? Anything new we can promote? Anything? Yeah, I'm cooking for? up an article on the guards as we speak. It's probably the, the position group that I'm most comfortable with heading into the season. I've been doing a deep dive into some of the films, some of the synergy stats, all the rest of it. I'm hoping I'll have that out sometime this week because it's been a little while since I've dropped something. So um, it's it's about halfway done. I'm have, hopefully having some encouraging news for this position group, and maybe uh, Carter will be a little bit happy after he reads it. So we'll see. Carter's happiness is top priority of everybody on this Zoom call. So I'm rooting for that. You good, my friend? You guys want to hear a voice note that I made the other day? Sure. Hold on. He's just an athletic DK, isn't he? Carson Cooper is just an athletic DK, isn't he? I don't know if I should take that as a compliment or you're just like chopping me at the knees in my old age. I don't, I don't no, know. That literally, that, that's a compliment to you. Uh, 
I hope uh, I hope Carson Cooper changes his Twitter handle to Spartan Hoops underscore CC. Carl, thank you for sharing that. We appreciate you, DK. Thank you for being here. Like, follow, subscribe at Sleepers Media, and uh, I promise, if this does turn around, I won't run from this, folks. I hey, promise. it's 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 oh still go green, go white, until I die. Just so you know, and it's on this season, by the way. Like we're rolling out there. We're, what are we? The Iron Nine, the Fighting Nine, the Strong oh, we're, Nine. We're gonna have to come up a name. It's gotta hey, be a name. Hey, sure. Throw up the nines. We're here. <laughs> Let's ride. You don't want to see us. I guarantee we're bringing that nine in the Chrysler. We're coming with smoke. Come on. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.